heart work is hard work. And that's what we're doing here in Pray for One. We're working on our hearts. God is working on our hearts. It's, you know, it's much more difficult to spruce up your outward appearance or uh, than sprucing up your outward appearance. Um, you know, some of you got on some pretty nice clothing today, and maybe ladies put on a little makeup. The guys even combed their hair for the first time this week. And uh, heart work is different. It takes humility, and it takes a big amount of repentance. Willingness to change. Willingness to change. We have to humble ourselves before God. We have to allow Him to fix whatever's broken inside of us. So heart work can be really hard. But at the same time, you know, heart work is easy. If you can fully surrender, if you can fully submit, just give yourself to God, then it becomes easy because He's doing the work. He's the one that's making the changes. It's easy when you have someone like Jesus, the great physician, doing the heart surgery that is required in your life or mine. Because Jesus knows exactly what to do. You're surrendering to Him and saying, God, do whatever is needed. And He practices His skill with grace and love. In addition to that, we have the Holy Spirit day by day who guides us and works on our hearts and, and makes us the people that we need to be for God. So, is your heart being changed as we go through Pray for One? I hope so. I, I know that my heart is. That God is really speaking to my heart during this time. And I hope that He's uh, allowed to speak to your heart as well. Today's theme is, why not double? Why not double? And so, this is a question that's on Bo Chansey's mind. We're going to go to the video again. This When a child's body is not growing, we know something's not right. We know that maybe the child is sick, or maybe the child is not being fed properly, or maybe something bad's going on, or something is missing. Could be any of those reasons. Either way, we know that something is not right because children grow naturally. That's what children do. And when a church is not growing, what can we conclude? When a church is not growing numerically, and there are lost people nearby who need to be saved, something's not right. Something needs to change. Something may need to be corrected. Perhaps there is disease in the body. Perhaps the body is malnourished. Perhaps the body is not getting the exercise that a healthy body needs. New Hope Christian Church is a body of believers. It's the body of Christ in this local area. And we've been up and down, haven't we? Up and down in attendance. Up and down in spiritual vitality through the year. Sometimes... I feel like we're making really good progress. And other times, I feel like we're dwindling. We're losing ground. We're losing steam. In the past three years or so, we've been fairly stagnant in growth. A little bit up, a little bit down. Let's be honest about that. And let's realize that something needs to change. Something needs to be corrected. Something needs needs to be done because growth is natural. Like children grow, churches are supposed to grow. And as people share what God has given them, the church can't help but grow. But if something happens to the sharing, then the church doesn't grow. Some very good things are happening here at New Hope. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know that legitimate ministry is going on for the Lord every day. And lives are being changed. 
but only a few lives at the present time. We are not accomplishing Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost nearly as well as we could be. And there must be a reason for that. So I want you to think within your own heart today, what change of heart might be needed? A change of heart in the individual members of the church. A change of heart in the congregation as a whole. We need to allow God's heart of love to so infiltrate and so capture our hearts that His desires will become our desires. That His passion will become our passion in life. Jesus said that He came to seek and save the lost. So that must be our reason for living as well. So I'd like you to turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, of course, is near the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry, just before He was betrayed, before He was crucified, and then before His resurrection, of course. And in Matthew 25, we read a parable often called the parable of the talents. In a little bit more modern English version, it's the parable of the gold coins or the, the, the bags of gold that were given by a master to his servants. So please follow along with me as I read from Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, and to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the man with the two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags also came and said, Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked, lazy servant! So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Now this parable, we'll stop right there, is a parable first of all for individuals. It's for each of us to look into this parable and see where do I fit in this story? Which of these servants am I? Am I putting to use what the Lord has given to me? Am I using wisely and faithfully the opportunities He has given me? 
God gave each of us a new life to live for Him. What are we doing with the life He gave us? Good question. An important question. A heart question. Very hard work going on here. This wicked, lazy servant, for that is what Jesus called him, was fearful, not faithful. Notice. And he gives himself away with two of the things he says to his master. First of all, he says, Master, I know that you're a hard man. And I know that you harvest where you did not scatter seed. And so he's critical of his master. He's not trusting the master. He's just saying, look at you. you know, I'm fearful of you and this is why. Secondly, he says, I was afraid and I hid your gold in the ground for safekeeping. And because of this fear, he wouldn't venture out. He wouldn't try to make more with what he had been given or to, to see what could, could be done with what had been entrusted. And so this man had very serious heart problems. He lived by fear, not by faith. Perhaps we can identify with him. He didn't love. He didn't trust his master. He only loved and trusted himself. And so his heart was in need of a radical change or he could not serve his master. This parable, however, could also be applied to churches. And perhaps that may be just as fitting for us at New Hope. If that's the case, two churches took what the Master had given to them and they did what they could with what they had been given. But the third church went and buried what it had been given. It acted out of fear rather than faith. If the story is about churches, then the Master said to the third church, you wicked and lazy church. <laughs> Not the thing you want to hear from Jesus. And if you had done right, the Master continues, you would have at least put what was given you out there so that it could have earned some interest. Instead, you buried it and you have nothing to show for what I gave you. The wicked, lazy church chose to protect itself rather than invest what was given it for the Master. Now, Bo Chancey reminds us of a very sobering fact, and we have to uh, acknowledge it, we can't run from it, and it is this. It is the responsibility of every local church to reach as many people as possible. You don't excuse yourself. You don't say, well, we don't have the opportunities that so-and-so had. We're not in the place that so-and-so is. You're responsible to reach as many people, lost people, where you are put, where you are placed, where you are serving God, as every other church on the planet. But we have to also acknowledge that some churches bury their talent. Some churches bury their resources. Some churches play it safe. They keep it to themselves. Some churches kind of go even into a survival mode. They build walls of protection around themselves and they insulate themselves from the evil that is in the world. And the Master justly condemns those actions. The church in Pray for One that has been lifted up by Bo Chancey is just an example. Manchester Christian Church has chosen to operate by faith rather than by fear. Manchester Christian Church prays for one, has been praying for one for the last seven years in order to seek and save lost people in their city, in the place where God put them. And God is blessing His kingdom with growth there. Dare we do any less than that? Is there anybody that wants to be part of New Hope and says, you know, I don't think we'll do that. 
I think we'll just hold back. We'll take what we've been given. We'll bury it somewhere. We'll build the walls as high as we can, as thick as we can, and we'll hunker down until Jesus returns. I don't think there's anybody in this room today, anybody of our congregation that would say, that's the plan. That's the strategy. That's how we're going to do this. We're going to live by fear, not by faith. And we have to ask ourselves, how do we operate? How do we live? Do we operate by faith or by fear? And when we pray for one, as we've agreed to do, we will soon release a flow of evangelistic energy. That's how Bo puts it. That is going to demand exponential growth. That there, there will be the one becomes two and two becomes four and four becomes eight. Because when you share your love that God has first given you, that's what happens. Growth comes. And when that growth comes, things start getting a little bit scary. He made some outrageous statements in chapter 7 if you read that in the book. I think he was only partially tongue-in-cheek when he wrote them, and I wanted to share a couple of those. One of them, he said this, the control freaks among us will begin to panic because they struggle with figuring out how to contain that growth. And you know, they just say, oh no, we're losing control. And he says the less evangelistically motivated will panic because of feelings of insignificance. Oh, they're getting recognition, or this is happening, and something's happening in their life, it's not happening with me. The lifelong consumers of God begin to panic because they are confronted with the truth that the church is not all about them after all. That in spite of their need and their consumerism about approaching the church, the church is just going to blow on by that. The church is going to go ahead and do what the mission of the church is. The discomfort, he said, will grow as precious resources are utilized utilized for more seeking and saving the loss and less for Christian babysitting. Ouch! That was a pretty strong one. Some will not be able to handle this, he says. And people will get concerned that the church is too focused on lost people. And then he said, "Can imagine? think about that. What, what a crazy thing to say. The church is too focused on lost people. Is that possible? I don't think so, because that's why Jesus came. It would be easy to fear the changes that praying for one will bring. Change things about programs that we do. Programs that we're used to. Programs where we know what's going to happen and we know what to expect. And now we don't. Pet projects will change. Things that we started and worked on. We worked hard. We we, we realize that there's benefit to these things. There's some good that's being done by some of the things that we have done. But now they come up for question, for evaluation. Is this the best way to seek and save the lost? Are they still achieving even what they were started for? Are they effective in accomplishing the mission that God has given us after all? And certainly we know that as these changes come and pray for one happens, people who are different than us might start coming. Too late, that's already happened. You look around, you can't see a lot of people look just like you. People that have the same culture, same ethnicity than you. God is already moving there. God is already doing something here in this congregation. And so it would be easy to live in fear of the changes that are coming. But God has called us not to live in fear, but to live in faith. 
And God has called us to faithfully follow Jesus as He seeks and saves the lost. That is our mission. That is our priority. That is our purpose. And that is our reason for existence as individual Christians and as a church. If we ever forget that, we might as well close the doors because we will have ceased being the people of God, doing the things of God. When we finally get our hearts right with God, His mission will be accomplished and lives and souls will be changed for eternity. So this praying for one, as you track along with us and you're reading and as you're praying and you're thinking and you're meditating, this is a big heart deal. This is a very big hard heart work that is going on. Are we up to it? I think we are. I am. I think you are. And if you have a good and sincere heart, you will operate from faith, not from fear. If you have a good and sincere heart, God will prepare your heart for growth, the growth of His body here at New Hope and your own spiritual growth in the process. So we're going to finish the sermon right now today because we want to allow time for Caleb and Monica come up and share some of their update with us. They're going to do a more complete one in two weeks, as I said, on the 18th at the 9 o'clock hour. But for today, they're going to come up and share in just a few minutes. But before that, I want to pray about this heart surgery, this hard heart work that needs to go on. And then we'll have them come up. Would you pray with me? Lord, it's hard to know where our prayers will take us. It's hard to know what new things You may want us to do, or what old comfortable things You may want us to give up. Uh, we need to trust You more. We need to walk by faith, not fear. Lord, uh, let's be serious here. Let's be honest. There are many lost people within a short distance of this church building. Within the reach of this local congregation called New Hope. There are lost people that we each rub shoulders with every day. And your heart of love beats for them. I pray, Lord, very seriously, that you will fill and you will stretch our hearts with that same love. And we will live in faith, not fear. We will trust You to provide whatever is needed to accomplish Your mission here. For Lord, it is Your mission, not ours. It's Your church, not ours. And we pray this through Christ. Amen. I ask Caleb and Monica to come up and share with us for a few minutes. And uh, then we're going to uh, conclude our service. So would you all come up for a little bit and uh, we'll bring a mic down. We'll have you guys just be seated, just the two of you or whatever, for a minute. Caleb, Monica, let me get out of your way if you need this. A, just a brief um, summary tonight, uh, today and then do a more expanded one in two weeks. So a lot of what I was going to talk about today ties into it, the pray for one that we're doing here as a church. Um. So we are hiring different people to work on our house. So people are coming and going depending on the project. We don't hire one person. Like we have masons that do their thing, roofers that do their thing, and the septic 
tank people that do their thing. So we have an exchange, I mean, uh, a large group of workers that come through. And in this pray for one, you're always asking for someone to reach out to. So in this, every worker that comes through, he asks them, do you know Jesus? Or do you have a church you're going to? If not, come to our church. So every worker gets invited or talked about it. You know, we talk about Jesus with them. It's just very casual that we just bring it across to them. We don't force that, you know, we don't push them. So if we ask maybe once, maybe another time, oh, we, we didn't see you come to church, but then we leave it at that. We don't want people to say, oh no, they're going to ask us to go to church again and, you know, put guilt on them for not coming. So we just throw it out there and let the Holy Spirit bring them if they don't have a church to go to. So that's been a really, a, a way that we're doing what you're doing here at the church here. Another thing with the pray for one is we have seen so many answers to prayer by God connecting things. So we were leaving and we were going to have to do, we wanted to do an eye clinic. So we're thinking, okay, how are we going to build it? How are we going to have the money to build it and get all the equipment? In the meantime, Dr. Hina, who's there already, she's a missionary. Um, she's been a missionary for, I don't know, she's been 17 years in Russia and then she came back to Liberia. She's been praying for workers. She has a clinic with no workers. So how God connected all that is she's praying for one person. We're praying, and God connects the two. It, that has happened so much over there. And if we're just open to the Spirit and just laying before him and we're saying, you know, Lord, give me one, or Lord, I need help in this. Somebody, You could either be the answer to somebody's prayer or you could be reaching out to someone. So I want to encourage you with this, I don't know what you want to call it, program or the book that you're following, that it works. It, um, people get reached and people get touched by this. Oh, and the other prayer that we had, uh, as far as he was inviting him to hear him preach, because the pastor that we were, he was giving a furlough to a pastor. He has not had a vacation since 1991. Preaching every Sunday, he does Wednesday Bible study and he teaches a school. So when we said, okay, we're going to give you a six week vacation, he was like, yes. <laughs> so he was all excited. So that was an answer to his prayer. And Caleb was preaching for the month of January up to when we left. I think, um, if you want to add something. Oh, yes. <laughs> I just want to thank you all for those that have sent emails to us that just encourage us that just says we're praying for you or you just give a little verse or a scripture that means so much to us and I thank you for the support that you've given us and the church as a whole just welcoming us back uh, we will be here till the 21st and when we give the full report on, on the 18th we'll give you a chance to ask questions because I know you some of you have questions to ask but one of the things I would like to talk about is the timing that God allowed us to go to Liberia. I first of all want to encourage and just help you understand that not everybody is called to go to missions. Not everybody is called to become a pastor. Not everybody is called to be an evangelist. Some of you are teachers. That's your calling. Some of you are pastors. That's your calling. 
Some of you are domestic engineers. You know who that is? Housewives are called domestic engineers. You are probably raising the next Billy Graham. That's your calling. Don't feel that, oh, Caleb and Monica, they are way out there. Oh, maybe God, no. When God calls you, you will know. You will be so dissatisfied with what you are doing. You will know. So I want to encourage you. Don't feel discouraged and say, oh, I, I should have been there and all of that. Whatever you are doing, continue to do it. Be faithful at it. God promotes step by step. Somebody is not born today. Even our Lord Jesus was not born today. And the next day he's preaching at 33. That's not the way things work. So we just want to encourage you. But one of some of the things that as you know, we are preparing the report to present to you all. There's this gentleman two years ago when we went. He saw us. We were in the church. And by the way, this, when I got out of high school, this was the first church I pastored. And the young boy, one of the young children who was there, is now the pastor. So anyway, when we went there, this guy just recently told me this. He said, you know, two years ago, I wanted to tell you a problem I have. But I just did not know how to tell you. And so I said, what's the problem? Because we had announced the whole village. They announced to everybody that 28 doctors and nurses are coming from the U.S. And, yeah, and, and it's today. They are going to do eye surgery, remove cataracts, um, do hernias, thyroid. So they all heard about it, of course. It does not have to be related to eyes. Everybody showed up. The whole place was packed full, over 200 people. Monica and I had to see. So I saw this young man there, and he is one of the deacons in the church, or the elders. So I think, I don't know, you know, he was just ashamed to tell me this issue he had, or he has. So he came to me when everybody was done. He said, there is something I wanted to tell you two years ago, but I, I just didn't know how to tell you. And then he lifted up both of his bent legs. And right at his ankle, there is an ulcer, an open sore as big as the palm of my, my hand on both sides. Look the same. I mean, when you see it, your skin crawls. I've been in nursing for a while. I've seen wild stuff. But it seemed like every time you see something new. So I said, what is that? He said, I've had this for 10 years. I, I don't know how to deal with it. I have taken treatments and nothing seems to be working for me. I don't have a relationship. I can't be engaged in any relationship. And the you know, normally I would think that when you have a soul that big, you are going to wrap it up. But it was just open. So I felt so bad. I said, you know what? Come to the clinic. Because he lived way in the, in the jungle. I said, come to the clinic on Monday. So he came to the clinic. My first thought when I saw that soul, when he said it's been on him for 10 years, I thought he was a diabetic. So I said, come, let me check your sugar. I checked his sugar. It was normal. So I said, wait a minute. I called Dr. Hina. Dr. Hina saw it. He said, oh, I know what that is. It's some type of 
also they call Buruli. People in Asia, Africa, South America gets it. It starts very little and it just grows bigger and bigger. And this guy, you could see his tendons. Yes. So what Dr. Hina said, let's soak it and let's dress it and let's give him medication. I felt so bad for him because we'd been to the church and I had given him three U.S. dollars. And he said, you know, I use that to buy some medication, but I don't know what to do. I felt so bad. I said, you know what I'll do? And they said he's supposed to take treatment for three months. Taking antibiotic and putting maybe some ointment, antibiotic ointment on it. So we just did that a few days later. Then we flew and came here. I'm going to go and I'll keep you all up with the story because this, I felt so bad. Can you imagine? You have something you are hiding. You don't want people to see it because it's just so open and so wild and, you know, but uh, Monica and I, we were able to provide him his first month of treatment. And the, the clinic, Dr. Hina, does an excellent job. If you donate medications, she gives it free to the people. The only time she will sell medication is when she goes, buys the medication. She has to sell it so she can get the money to buy more for the people. It's not yet yeah, at the same price. It's not at cost. So I just want to share that with you. To say that those of you who are praying for us, you're sending us notes, you're sending us your finances, you are doing an excellent job, and this is something the church as a whole is doing. We are just the foot workers, so thank you so very much. We're going to uh, be in heaven together today, uh, today, someday. It could be today. You know, I'm not a prophet, so I don't know. Would anybody like to go today? Okay. Uh, but someday we're all going to be together, and uh, it's going to be glorious, isn't it? Let's, let's sing about that. Let's imagine all those lost people that don't know Christ yet, that they're going to be there with us. And because we prayed for one. Please stand and let's sing to the Lord. 